Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 341. Listen, I think consumers and customers can, can see right through things, right? They know it's authentic. There's so much noise going on in today's world from, from the social media piece um, that's happening. People, people can see right through it. And I think those companies that are authentic and deliver an authentic experience, whether you're a, a restaurant or retailer, I think those are the, the places that customers tend to go to and want to spend more time. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is click the tipsy banner in the show notes get on it are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day tasks that only you know how to do if you feel this way i've got good news you don't have to do it alone nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurants owner.com and if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable you will get a 10 day pass for only one dollar get on it with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chris schultz chris are you feeling unstoppable today my man hey eric i'm feeling unstoppable i'm so excited been a little time with you. Thanks for inviting me. Dude, I'm pumped you're here. I got to know you just a little bit at the NRA trade show on the Foodable IO stage, uh, and you just won me over. Uh, and I know you're going to give us some great advice here today. Uh, so let me just give the, the listeners a aerial view of who we're talking to. Uh, Chris Schultz spent 14 years on the Starbucks management and leadership team before joining Mod Pizza, a.k.a. the Mod Squad, in 2009. Since then, Mod Pizza has gone from one location to over 100 locations in 2016. And where are you at now? We're at 235, I think, as of today, 236 as of tomorrow. Oh, wow. So That's... every day it seems we just add another store on, but it's been an amazing ride. That makes my head spin just thinking about it. But uh, <laughs> uh, So since the beginning, the driving force behind Mod Pizza has been their philosophy of putting their people first. Today, Schultz holds the title of Senior Vice President of Operations. So obviously just scraping the surface. Uh, can't wait to learn more about you Chris, uh, what makes you you and what makes Mod Pizza Mod Pizza? But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away. Oh, yeah. Listen, there, there are so many that I can choose from. But the one that I really that I actually hangs on my desk and um, I look to almost every day is a quote from Harry Truman. It is amazing what you accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. Yes. I love that quote. Uh, and why does that sing to you? Dive into it. 
You know, I, I think so many folks really are me, 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 right? Let, let, let's take credit for everything we've done. It's all about me. And, and um, for me, being in the restaurant business my almost my entire career, and certainly here at Mod, it's really amazing the things that can happen when a team comes together. You don't really worry about who's the superstar, who gets the trophy, right? I think it's, it's, it's really a positive, uh, motivational piece for all of our teams that, not only are our GMs important, but every single mod squad on our teams are just as important as a general manager or myself or even Scott and Allie Sense and our founders. Mm, I love it. And uh, really dive into, uh, just, just give us a brief history on Mod Pizza. We're going to dive into it more later on, but just to help paint the picture, uh, what's the, the company history there? Yeah, right on. So uh, we started in 2008. We were the uh, one of the original fast casual pizza concepts, if you were out there. In 2008, we opened our first store in November, probably the worst time that you can imagine in an economy to open a, a restaurant. And, and one of the, the real mantras of, of Allie and Scott Svensson was, you know, last thing the world needed was another restaurant, let alone another pizza restaurant. What it really needed was a restaurant was focused on its people and really bring some pride back to being a service. If you think back in the day, to be a service was a great and noble thing. I think over time that's gone away and it's gone away, especially in the restaurant industry. And one of the things when we, we initially started at Wad was let's have pizza with a purpose. Let's do something different. Let's make focus on our teams and bring pride back to being a service and really develop a culture where everyone's as important as the next person. And, and what can you accomplish if you're really accomplishing not worrying about who takes credit? So in, we started in 2008. Uh, since then, in 2009, we opened four restaurants um, in a toured pace, mostly up here in the Northwest. But in 2011, I think 2012 is when we really started to move forward and open across the, the country. Uh, today, we operate in 21 states. We actually, we actually open in, in uh, we operate in the UK as well, five stores in the UK. Um, predominantly company owned, about 80% of our stores are company owned. But we have a great group of franchisees who believe in that same culture first mantra. Uh, awesome. with, a, with an objective of opening probably north of 85 to 100 stores this year. That's crazy. Uh, I don't know how you guys are doing it, but uh, I'm sure we're about to find out. Uh, and just real quick, uh, tell us about uh, your role uh, as Senior Vice President of Operations. Sure. So I'm the Senior Vice President of Operations. Currently, I'm now starting to focus more international as we grow that, but uh, really taking it from the ground up. Um, you know, having been with, with Maude and, and Scott and Allie from the first store, as you can imagine, right, our very first offices were our cars. And for the first 10 stores, we operated out of our cars, on the back of our cars, really every day in the stores with our hands in it. And since then, have, have been involved in design and construction and HR, as you can imagine, back in the early days, operational effectiveness in our stores, operational excellence, and really helping to build the culture as we grow throughout the country. And as somebody who's in charge of operations, I'm really excited once we pull back the layers later on to see how uh, that unfolded and how you prioritized uh, growth. So I'm really excited for that part of the conversation. But now let's kind of dive into more of your story, Chris. Uh, and yeah. yeah, how did you get into the industry? <laughs> well, you know, it started when I was 15 years old, washing dishes in the back of a, a little Mexican restaurant in Los Angeles called Tabrosos. Uh, it was phenomenal. At 15, I was a dishwasher. Um, they called me Carlos. I told them every day my name was Chris. And they <laughs> laughed and said, okay, Carlos, keep washing dishes. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and, and the reality was I just knew there was a calling there. I, I ventured off at times. I was a cruise director for a short time of, in my career. actually spent some time with the Marriott 
company, uh, and then was fortunate enough, as you spoke about, to join Starbucks in, in, in relatively the early years of them and, and had the opportunity to work for some phenomenal leaders and watch that growth as, as we grew stores only domestically but internationally and, and had the opportunity to work for, as I said, some phenomenal leaders who really helped, really helped develop me and really helped develop my role and who I was from an operator and a leader and, quite frankly, as a leader of people uh, and, and really to help ensure that every day we focus on our people. But, you know, the reality was I never thought I'd be in the restaurant business, right? Dishwasher, cruise director, selling coffee, now to selling pizza. Yeah. But again, today it's all about pizza. So right? uh, it's all about people, Eric. Today, absolutely, yeah. It's all about people. So let's get into that transition of, uh, you know, what did you go to school for? I'm curious. Like, what did you study and how did you become uh, the director of a cruise opera? Uh, yeah, so I, was, so I actually went to school to play baseball. Okay. Um, I was a great baseball player and, a, quite frankly, a shitty student. I'm not sure if I can say that word. <laughs> it's fine um, by me. But I wasn't a very good student, but, I, but I, was a, I, was a, I was a great baseball player. I was a member of a great team. What I learned through that was how important teamwork is and how important being a member of a team was all about and having a great coach and the success of the team was really based not only on the members of that team, but the coach and setting direction for us and motivating us. And I think as I came out of that into the restaurant business, I really took those learnings about being a part of a team and, and roll those into my role as a leader in, in our organization. I'm a great coach. At the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not the one making the pizza every day. I'm not the one in the back making the, making the dough or, or prepping the food, right? I'm the coach that sets the direction and then really believe in the team and let the team do what they do best. Get on the field and operate. All right. So, okay, let's fast forward to um, you're getting a job at Starbucks. Uh, how, yeah. how did you find this opportunity and what appealed to you about the opportunity? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really crazy story. I actually was at a job fair, believe it or not, in Chicago, Illinois, and walking the, fair at, uh, walking the job fair floor. And uh, Starbucks was in its early days, and they had a, a booth set up. And I met this amazing woman, Wendy Beckman, who now is the uh, VP of Apple Operations in, in Europe. Uh, she was a district manager for Chicago uh, back in the day, and she said, hey, come on in and talk to us. We've got this great coffee company, and we're going to grow everywhere. We're not known anywhere yet, but we're going to grow. And had the opportunity to sit down, and, and through that process, actually had an opportunity to meet Howard Schultz, who was there at the job fair. And, you know, Howard is just such an amazing individual, right? He's got this this um, this perception, sorry, this personality that just, you, you just, you're drawn to him, right? He shared this vision of growing this great company that truly was based on its people and the third place environment. And I was sold. I was sold. I, I was working in a nightclub business and I was sold. And I said, I can go from being a nightclub to being a coffee. That'll be super easy. Um, but it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, right? Joining a culture-led company is, is challenging. Not everyone embraces it. Not everyone understands what that really means. And for the first couple of years, I struggled with really understanding what does culture-led organization really mean? And, and through some great mentors, and I'm a big fan of mentors, and I hope we get a chance to talk about that at I one point. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of mentors and having great mentors. And I had some great mentors along that path who really helped me to understand what it was about to be a part of a culture-led organization. Um, and through that challenge with Starbucks, I helped open several international markets, opened several domestic markets, and then had a great opportunity to come and work in the corporate headquarters and really see where the sausage is made, right? To really get involved at that corporate headquarters to see, okay, things start eight to 10 months ahead of the time it ever hits the store and all the effort energy is put into it and all the thoughtfulness that goes around it. 
before it actually rolls to a restaurant somewhere throughout the country. And really start to embrace that and understand what that really felt like. All right, let's tap the and brakes. So, let's tap the brakes real quick because I want to dive deeper. I think yeah. there's some really good uh, value thus far in this conversation, uh, this experience of Howard Schultz and how he sold you on the the culture led, culture driven organization. So uh, that's something we're all going to have to do if we do our, if we do it right and we choose to. Uh, have culture in purpose in uh, reason or you know reason behind our restaurant driving our restaurant or why uh, we got to sell that so what did you learn from Howard Schultz on selling the why selling the purpose yeah I will tell you actually the person behind all of that was Howard BR and we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about him as well but my, my initial meetings with Howard Schultz was around his thought around we can bring this 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 concept of the third place in everybody's homes, right? If you imagine back in the day with Starbucks, Starbucks was trying to be the third place, right? Home being your first, work being your second. Starbucks wanted to be your third place. And really build an environment where you felt as comfortable coming to Starbucks as you did going home or going to work. And really by putting their people first, by saying, listen, it's about that connection that happens every single day in every one of our restaurants. And enabling our teams to engage those customers in such a way where the customer really feels like they're welcome and they're guests in my home every time they come into the organization, every time they come into one of my restaurants. And so when, when he talked to me about that, it really started to click in my mind around, boy, you know what? We all want to feel that place where we can go that's uniquely different, that uniquely feels like home and feels like work, but yet it's different. I can go there, I can be myself, whether I want to go by myself, I want to go with friends, I want to spend five minutes, I want to spend 10 minutes a day. It wasn't dictated by the restaurant. It was dictated by me. Mm. And for me, the, everything from the music to the, to the chairs and the furniture that was chosen were chosen with distinct thought around making that environment feel like a place where you can go and relax and be comfortable, including the people. And, and so as I saw that evolve over time, and I had a great opportunity to spend some time around Howard B.R., who was actually was also one of the founders of Starbucks, and he was really about the culture, really about people first, right? At that day, you have to be a person first and foremost. That's who we are every single day, right? He, he's got a great quote of wear the same hat, meaning that you have to wear the same hat at work as you do at home, as you do at work. You have to be the same person. You can't put on a persona when you go to work because people see right through that. Mm. And so the reality for me was if we could build a culture in a company where that was in the forefront and let people be themselves, Wow, how successful could you be? And I think it's much more relevant even today with today's work environment, right? With the millennials we're employing today in HR restaurants. They're individuals, right? They are who they are. Yeah. And they want to be individuals. And so I think what we found at Mod is we allow those folks to be themselves, but yet bring it to work and enjoy it. And, and we, we call it individuality and responsibility. Awesome, man. Right? Uh- be yourself. But have some responsibility with it. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to summarize up to this point. Uh, the first lesson at Starbucks for you seemed to be the idea that it can be something greater. Uh, there can be a purpose-driven concept, uh, a culture-led organization. That's what hooked you. That was a big lesson early on. And then as you evolved as a professional, you went deeper and you really embrace this idea of letting everybody kind of just be themselves uh, and to be natural, to be authentic, to be genuine and to empower them to uh, be themselves with the, the, the customer, the guest, the, uh, to create that third place environment. Is that a safe summary of up yeah. to this point? 
I think I think that that's spot on, Eric. And I, you know, listen, I think consumers and customers can can see right through things, right? They know it's authentic. There's so much noise going on in today's world from from the social media piece um, that's happening. People people can see right through it. And I think those companies that are authentic and deliver an authentic experience, whether you're a, a restaurant or retailer, I think those are the, the places that customers tend to go to and want to spend more time in. Mm. So um, we covered some of, the, some of the lessons early on. Uh, what were some of the more uh, I don't know, advanced lessons or different lessons you learned as you progressed with Starbucks? Yeah. Uh, real I'll quick, you, what, before what, you dive in, real quick, uh, when you jumped yeah. on, uh, what, how many Starbucks were there? How big had Starbucks grown? I'm sorry, I want to paint that I picture. I think we were just north of uh, 300 stores. Okay, just north of 300, which is insignificant compared to how large they were, over 20,000 stores, I think, by the time you left. Yeah, so. I think when I left, it was, I think when I left we, were, we were just breaking the 20,000. Okay. 20,000 pool. Okay, cool. Thanks for um, painting that picture. Uh, now, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Pick I up where I cut really you off. Is, yeah, no, no problem whatsoever, and I, I apologize. But, you know, one of the things that I've really learned as well is this embracing this failure just simply isn't an option, right? Okay. And I think so many entrepreneurs um, go into without that mantra, but, you know, Scott, Scott Svensson, who's one of our founders, really helped me understand that failure just simply isn't an option, right? When you row the boat ashore and burn the oars, you go at things very differently when you're in that situation. Say that and again. The decisions you make are very different. Say that again. Yeah, so for us at Mod in our very early days, failure just simply wasn't an option, right? When you row the boat ashore and you burn the oars, the decisions you make are very different when failure is not an option. It just isn't. So just- and so you work that much harder. You focus that much more. You ensure you surround yourself with people that have that same feeling and that same yes. entrepreneurial spirit where failure just simply is an option. We just can't fail, right? There's too many people that count on us, and, and we're doing something different and something unique, and the world needs what we're doing. It so, needs a place where people can come to work, feel appreciated, be themselves, and quite frankly, get paid a wage that they feel like they're comfortable and they can live. And so when failure's not an option, you go about things very differently. In the early days of Mod, that was kind of a rallying cry, right? Failure just simply wasn't an option. So what does that do to the mind, the human mind, that just philosophy, that, that acceptance that failure is not an option? How does that affect the way you think? Yeah, I think, I think both for the leadership all the way down to your, to your hourly team members, when, when that's their mindset, right, you go at things very differently. You, you spend that extra hour really ensuring that you're delivering the experience. You spend the extra time interviewing people to make sure they're the right people you're bringing in. You spend the extra time looking at every store and making sure the light picture is the perfect light picture. You spend every hour making sure the music overhead is at a tone that's perfect and comfortable for all of your customers and your guests that come in your store, right? Because the reality is, we just, failure's not an option. We can't fail. We can't simply open a restaurant and say, well, that didn't work. Let's move on to something else. Yeah. And when you can surround yourself with people that have that same mindset, it's amazing what you can become. Mm. And- right? If you go back even, you know, most recently, if you look at the Cubs of last year, right? I know it's, it's different for many, but if you talk, you know, if you look at kind of the, the Joe Madden sense last year, he set for the Cubs, failure just wasn't an option for them. Right. They were not going to lose. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't help but think about the whole idea that uh, uh, once you 
if you accept failure as an option or you accept that something's not possible, your brain shuts down because you've already tagged and labeled that as not possible, not an option. Like, or it's an option. So I choose to fail and just, you know, wipe my hands clean of the situation. But when you don't accept failure as an option, it forces you to get creative, to really think critically and to solve problems, uh, and to really just figure it out and be committed to the, the cause. Any reflection or thoughts on what I just shared? Yeah, listen, the reality is you're all in, mm. right? I, I think we're just trying to say at the end of when you when you do it, you're all in, mm-hmm. right? Every 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 everything you do, every mindset you have is is focused on ensuring that we're not going to fail. We're just simply not going to fail. And I think that um, part of the success of modern early days was just that, right? We found some really great folks that had that same mindset and really focused on ensuring that it wasn't about just one store succeeding. It was the opportunity to grow one store so we could open another one and hire more like-thinking people, right? <laughs> and then open another one and give more people opportunities to be great and perhaps get a second chance. One of the, one of the, the things that Mod is we're a, we're a second chance opportunity hire, right? Yeah. So there are folks that work in an organization who are clean and sober, who have come through the program, and perhaps they've made a misstep in their life somewhere. But in mod, what we said is that's okay. Everyone deserves a second chance. Everyone deserves a second chance in life. Yeah. And it, so for us, having that mentality really helped to drive the enterprise forward because folks came into the enterprise and said, you know what? This may be my only chance. <laughs> I, I can tell you're so chomping. You're chomping at the bit to, to talk more about mod. And I, I don't blame you because of what you're creating is, is truly amazing. <laughs> uh, we're going to get there. We're going to dive in deep. I promise. Uh, but I want to kind of bring it back to Starbucks a little bit yeah. and kind of like the later years. And I'm curious sure. um, from the time that, that you came in and it was sexy and exciting and uh, <laughs> culture driven organization growing so fast. Uh, what was it like? Fast forward, you know, 10 years later, um, when you were massive, um, how did that change? What was the culture like from beginning to end? Yeah. For you, at least. Well, I think think for me personally, it really was, you know, how do you grow big but remain small, right? Mm -hmm. How do you grow big but but ensure, at least either from my seat, that I had a, a small company mentality, meaning that every store we opened was important as the last one. Because I think you get in this in this rhythm where you're opening stores and things feel great and everything's running smoothly, but you know it's as important to open that one store in Minnesota as it was open store ten in, in in California. And for me, the important part as a leader was ensure we put as much focus on that single store opening as we did way back in the day. And so part I think that that challenge was a reminder at the leadership level that every every new hire. Every new store was as, was as important in year 10 as it was in year one. And if you remain focused that way, the culture would continue to grow. When you started to lose touch or started to lose your focus on ensuring that importance, I think that's where, where companies tend to lose their way sometimes because they forget about the fact of all the energy and effort that went into that single store opening, that very first store opening. So how did you keep that? at top of mind at the surface that mentality of the same focus and passion opening store number one as store 100 like how, how do you how do you keep that there like any secrets for somebody who might be going through this like maybe not store 100 but store like four or five or six 
Yeah, absolutely. So for us, and what I've really learned through my years is cultures travel two stories. Right? The other day, as leaders, we're storytellers. The best leaders are great storytellers. And they spend time telling the stories with their teams or direct reports or the hourly folks in stores and tell the stories about what got, what got us here, right? Culture travels through stories. As Drucker said way back when, I think we talked about this before, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> and to ensure that if you're going to build an organization, you've got to build an organization where the culture is as strong as anything else in the operation. Right. Our food is great and our food's been wonder is fantastic. But quite frankly, our culture has to be as good, if not better than our food. Mm. And so what I'm hearing from you is that when you're before you go to location two, three or four, or before you even open location number one, you need to start thinking about the story you're going to tell and really get clear about what it is that drives what you do and to have ultimate, complete clarity on your purpose, on your mission your vision, your values, and where you're steering the ship. And then that's your story that gets told years beyond. Yeah, exactly, Eric. And, and listen, I, and I'll, I will tell you, listen, that story can change over time, and it certainly can, but I think the important part of being a great leader and setting the trend for your teams is your ability to communicate to them what that mission, value, vision looks like. And to truly have stories around it, because I think people connect that way. Yeah. And I, in, in my experience, people connect the stories and the people and about the journey of life. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, the reality is we're all selling a commodity or a product, but it's really people serving people. Mm. And, I, and so for us, that real focus on that people piece is important. So on a personal level, though, how do yeah. you, I mean, that's great advice. The idea of you know telling the story and using the story to de- deliver the culture, the message. But how do you, as the leader, reach in to show up? You know, time and time and time and time again. An example like Starbucks to have that same fire, that same passion. Like, how did you not get sick of it? How did you find that that passion? Or how did you you know keep the flame lit? Yeah, I, I think. You know, the reality for me is, is really, um, and, and we did it at Starbucks, and, and we certainly do it here at Mod, is finding culture carriers, right? Finding people in the organization who are super passionate about what we do. And there are cultural icons, right? Allow them to tell the stories, right? Help them understand. Because, listen, I, myself or Scott or anybody in the organization, I can't touch every store. I can't be at every store. But our culture carriers can. And to ensure that those stories resonate throughout the organization. So they're not one man or one woman telling the story. They're stories about who we are and what we're all about. You know, if you go back to, I think so many organizations out there have these great stories of, of customer service and who they truly are. If you go back to Nordstrom's and talk about Nordstrom's, right, there's a great story about customer service, about a woman returning tires to a Nordstrom because way back in the day, there was a, there was a, there was a tire center at the same place they now built a Nordstrom. And in order some people saying, you know what, we don't sell tires. We'll figure out how to get these returned for you, right? Those are small, iconic stories. Now, listen, I think of today the revisionist history to a point, but the reality, there are stories about who they are and what they want to be. Mm-hmm. So, and so for me, where I get engaged is around our people. And I look for stories every day. I talk to our folks. I listen. I really pay attention. And they're the ones helping me tell the stories, right? Because every day when I go to work, there's a new story. 
There's a news story about somebody that works for us in, in Downey, California, who's just gotten their first job and gotten their first paycheck. And they're so excited about being able to live and buy their own car. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, man. And really paying attention <laughs> to those small stories. It's, right? Oh, that's cool. I and- think as a leader... You've got to pay attention. Yeah, and there are some great stories with Mod Pizza that I just, you know, that I stumbled across too in my research. And we're going to get there. I, I promise you, uh, everyone probably wants to start learning about more about Mod. But uh, I have one more question uh, before we start yeah, talking please. about how you transitioned into Mod. And um, uh, when I met you in Chicago, uh, we actually were on the Foodable IO stage together. And this was the topic the importance yeah. of culture and what how to stay small. Um, or you know, appear small when, when you grow so big? How do you have that small impact? And I asked you, one of the last things we discussed, I asked when you left Starbucks, uh, was there that same passion, that same fire? Um, did you have that? Was it, was it present, as present as when you left? Uh, and what do you think? When you, from when you, you entered Starbucks at 300 locations to when you left that a little over 20,000, had the culture changed? Had it diluted? Uh, Honestly, and I, and I'm sorry if I'm exposing you a little too much, but I'm, I'm really curious uh, on to what you have to say about this now. Yeah, listen, I, I think I think the Starbucks story has been told now many times through, through several different ways um, around <laughs> how at, at some point they kind of they kind of lost their way. Yeah, um, and they went back and got it back, right? But I think you know the reality is if you think about the stories of Starbucks, even back to when when Howard shut all the stores down and said we're all going to taste espresso again because that's the core of our business. And I want to ensure each of our baristas understand the importance of what Espresso is all about, mm. right? Well, that's a great story of getting back to the basics. Yep. And, and you know, the reality is I think any of us – I'm a big Starbucks fan. I go every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't go just because I, I work there. I'm a shareholder. I go because I actually enjoy the experience. Mm. I enjoy the product. I enjoy the experience. Um, you know, so I think the reality is everyone's tasted them over the years. But there's a lot of big Starbucks fans out there, and I think if you go into Starbucks today, is it different than it was 10 years ago? Sure it is. But I think they've evolved, mm. right? They've evolved who they are and what they're going to be, but they've done some recent things with, with some of their tuition reimbursements and things like that, hiring veterans to get back involved in their communities. But I think they noticed or they identified, not speaking on their behalf, but they potentially identified, hey, we've kind of lost our mission here. How do we get back to the core? Yeah. To who we are, which is a neighborhood coffee shop. And, and you know, I'm not trying to expose Starbucks. I'm not trying to like yeah. bash them. I think there's a really great learning opportunity behind all this. Uh, and that's to not lose your way. And I'm curious, in, in your opinion, real quick before I move on, what do you think was at the core of maybe the temporary loss of direction? If you could narrow it down to anything. Yeah. Listen, I think anytime you grow fast, um, you, you, you run the risk of losing the core of your culture. Um, and I think, you know, the challenge with that is ensuring that you're surrounding yourself, the organization with leaders and, and, and the folks that work in the stores, they all understand it. Mm. And, and whether you're 10,000 stores or one to four, we all run that risk, mm. right? Are we growing too fast? Are we losing our, our, the culture? Are we losing who we really were when we started out? Um, I think we all run that risk. And I think, I think Starbucks would tell you that they grew really fast, really fast in a hurry. Um, and there probably was a point in time in their, in their lifespan where they, they, they kind of shifted away from it and really shifted away from the core of their business, which is selling a great cup of coffee, probably mm-hmm. the best in the world, mm-hmm. um, to really getting back to that core. Right? You went into a Starbucks store at one point in time, there was music and furniture and all sorts of things. 
Um, but I think now, if you look at their stores today, they're really focused on providing you great experience. And if you go to some of their new roastery plants or the new roastery stores, they're beautiful. It's back to the core of who they are. Awesome. Cool. Um, and I think we all run that risk. Yeah. Right? Whether you're, like I said, one to five, five to ten, ten to ten thousand. It's that challenge of ensuring that as you grow, are you keeping the culture strong? Thank you for diving into that. Are you Thank you. Thank you for diving into that. I appreciate it. I know it's probably old news for you and you're ready to focus on now Mod Pizza, which I don't blame no, you because okay. <laughs> you guys are doing awesome stuff. So let's transition to that part of your life. Uh, 2008. Uh, it's kind of uh, there. There are some connections behind the scenes here because uh, uh, was it Allie and Steve or Scott? Allie and Scott. Um, yeah. They were bought out by Starbucks. Is that kind of how you eventually cross paths? Is that how you... <laughs> Yeah, okay. yeah. So Scott and Allie Simpson are our founders, our co-founders, and, and really are, are the two of what Mod's all about. Um, they actually owned a coffee company called Seattle Coffee Company in the UK that ultimately was bought out by Starbucks. And uh, I had the good fortune to go over to the UK with the Starbucks group and open Starbucks stores uh, in the UK and had the great fortune of running across Scott and Allie. And uh, lo and behold, I, I think it was 10 years later, cross her paths again when they, when they started Mod Pizza. And there were some great folks that are members of our board and advisors and investors in Mod who all have a Starbucks connection. Uh, and through them, and, and along with my experience of working with Scott Alley in the past, I had the great fortune of joining Mod when we were one store and we had two leases signed with just a vision of what we wanted to become. And how did you discover this opportunity? How did you know that they were looking for growth and why did you choose to leave Starbucks and join Mod? Yeah, so um, it, it's an interesting story. Jim Alling, who is uh, currently the CEO of Tom Shoes, gave me a call. Um, he was the former president of Starbucks, and uh, he had been involved with, with Mod from the very early days and helped really open the first store. And he gave me a call and said, hey, we're doing this pizza concept. And a gentleman named Paul Tuig, who was uh, re- most recently the president of Dunkin' Brands, was kind of running this day-to-day. Um, and Scott and Allie are involved, and we've got this one shop in downtown Seattle doing pizza a different way, fast casual, never been done before. Um, and we think it really needs an operator. And we'd love for you to come over and talk to us about what that would mean. Mm. And so um, spent a little time with Scott and Allie, with Paul and Jim, and uh, made the decision to come over and see what we could become. Uh, you know, the reality was back then, it was just really opening three or four stores to see what we had. We mm. weren't quite sure whether fast casual pizza would click. Right? Would people eat pizza for lunch? Would women eat pizza for lunch? Right? We offer a great salad offering, but but would it click? Would people would people embrace it? Because it was a uniquely different way of doing pizza that we'd never seen before. Um, so before and, and, we go uh, and talk about the evolution of the store, I really want to find out um, what was it that sold you on Mod from the very beginning? How? Yeah. What was yeah. it? What was going on there? Well, as as you know, Eric, and I think probably many of your listeners know, it's about people, mm-hmm. right? I, I think we've said that a, a couple times on the show now, and I, yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. But I believe, but I believe in Scott Allen. Okay, I, I believed in Paul, and I believed in Jim Allen. What was it about that? I believed in them. I, I believed in their leadership. I believed in who they were. I believed in what what they stood for, and so I took a leap of faith. Was it just a right? feeling because that you got, or the people? Like, What's that? was it just a feeling, a gut feeling that you got, or, or was there something that was going on behind the scenes that really just drove or like pushed you in this direction? Yeah, I, I wish I could say there was some magic there that I had some forethought. I was such a, a smart thinker. I thought, wow, this thing will become 200 stores in 10 years. And 
what a great ride that'll be. The, the honest answer is that's not true. Okay. The honest answer is it was a gut feeling that I had in, in, in believing in these people that are surrounded the business. Mm. Um, you know, I think, I think we all work for people, right? Yep. We don't work for a company. We work for people. And then a, regardless of whether they're going to do pizza or burgers or something else, I believed in the people and I wanted to work for Scott and Allie and Paul Tuig and Jim Alling and Howard. I wanted to work for those folks. Chris, I'd worked for them in the past and had a great experience. And I just want to work with them. Paint a picture. Whatever we're going to go do, I believe in them. Paint a picture of how they made you feel. Because uh, I feel like there's a great lesson in here. And like you said, it's about the people. Um, it's about how they make you feel in that gut feeling that they put into you. So what was that impression like? What were they doing? How did they care of themselves? Like what made you so intrigued by them? Yeah. So by, by each of those, having spent time around several of them, when they were at Starbucks and leaders at Starbucks and Scott and Allie went in, in the UK, it was really this sense of purpose, right? This sense of they're going to build a company that, that respected the folks they worked for and respected me as, as I came in as an operator and gave us the freedom to really grow and think outside the box. And they gave me a sense of, again, failure's not an option. If we were going to fail, we're going to fail together. Mm. It wasn't going to be me on my own saying out there trying to run one, one pizza restaurant and hope that it succeeds. Everybody's going to look around and say, best of luck to you. We're all in it together. Okay. So and the reality was I knew inside of my, inside of my gut, listen, to have these kind of folks around the business, it was going to be hard to fail. Mm-hmm. So in the first uh, few early years, when you were still less than you know five locations before 2011, we'll say first three years, yeah. uh, when you were one location uh, and you were before you went to the two and three locations, like what was your priority as a director of operations? Like where were you focused? What were you trying to do? How did you know it was time to go to two and three locations? Yeah. So, so that's a great question because you know, I'll tell you our first way up in downtown Seattle, we had, uh, yeah, I would say, um, okay results, right? We were, we were predominantly a lunch business. We were venturing out to go into a neighborhood store and then over off of, off of one of our, our campuses here at university of Washington campus. But I think the reality was um, that time was right when we knew it was time to grow was when we saw folks come in and they were asking about when are we going to grow more stores? When are you going to go? I mean, at the end of the day, financially is, is right. We all talk about that, right? At the end of the day, we need to make money. We need to be a for-profit company. We have to be. At the end of the day, that's the most important piece. But I think the, the piece for us was, listen, we think we're on to something here, so let's go try it. Right, let's get out there and try it. One of one of Scott's great mantras is fail fast or fail early. Okay. And so for us, our first five stores, we put them in uniquely different trade areas. We didn't put them on Maine and Maine because we didn't want to have immediate success. We want to ensure that if we're going to build a brand, if we're going to make a mistake in a real estate selection or what we're doing, fail early in our career. Let's do it early. Mm. So Let's make sure we make those bad calls early. So you're basically early on. You're ba- you're trying to find holes in the in the model. You're trying to find out where it doesn't work. So, you know, is is that safe to say? Like you were almost taking like the shotgun approach of seeing what hit, what didn't. Yeah, hit? yeah, well, yeah. I mean, listen, it was it was a little bit more sniper than shotgun, <laughs> but yeah, candidly, right? I mean, I think many many organizations that you know, are you open on Maine and Maine and you're immediately successful. And you start to get a false read. Yep. Right? Because we all know in the restaurant business, location, location, location. 
right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is I think many of us open and you get a false read on the sense of, boy, do I have a company or a product or an experience that people are going to come to if we're at second in Maine or third in Maine? And so for us in those early days, we were very thoughtful around putting them in distinctly different trade areas with distinctly different demographics to see, did it play in a, in a university setting? Did it play in a traditional uh, neighborhood setting, baby buggies and, ro- and rooftops? Did it play in a downtown environment, right? And, yeah. and really, we were very strategic in doing that in the early days to really prove out, did the model work, right? Were people going to come for fast, casual pizza for lunch and for dinner? Were they going to bring their families? Were they going to come with their, with their coworkers? Were they going to come on a, on a date? And I think in those first five stores, we really explored that. And we moved slow. And I think challengingly, people would say we probably moved slower than, than a lot of people wanted us to. What's the, what was the benefit of moving slow? Very methodical. Say again? What's the benefit of moving slow? Well, I think, again, you go back to ensuring that when you're ready to go fast and you're ready to step on the gas pedal, you're confident in what you're doing. Mm. I will tell you, we move slowly because not only do we want to make sure the four-wall economics worked, but we want to make sure we had a strong culture. Who mm. were we? Okay. What were we going to stand for? Yes. Right? When we talked to our teams and our customers came in or, and talked to our, our, our mod squad as man to counter, who were we? Yeah. Right? And, and I think we move slowly as we continue to develop that, right? And continue to really dial all the four-wall economics. And once we had the four-wall economics dialed in, along with this really secure feeling of what type of culture we wanted to be, what do we want to be known for? Well, now it's easy to go fast, right? right. Because we're all on the same page. So, we're all singing from the same sheet of music. And away you go. So in, and uh, so, on, in, I guess in regard to people and culture, when yeah. do you know that your people in the culture are ready to withstand big growth without taking too much of a hit, without being too diluted? Yeah, no, I, that, that, that's a fantastic question. And we're asked that many times over. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you grow across the country and maintain the culture? And for us, we took some of our key learnings from Starbucks. We took some of the key learnings from folks in the business. And again, I go back to these culture carriers, right? And ensuring that in the early days, we identified this great group of individuals that we call all-stars. Um, and they were really our culture carriers. They were the folks that we sent out when we opened a new store to help open a new store, right? They were the ones that were feet on the ground, telling the stories, really helping develop, not only train the new stores, but tell the stories around the culture. And to really tell the stories around who we want to be, what do we want to stand for, are actively involved in the communities, all of those things, all of that messaging that was growing, quite frankly, a little bit under the radar here up in the Northwest, uh, where people hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. So you're and we're really ready. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, so you're basically you're identifying these rock stars, these A players, and you're you're imprinting them onto the rest of your team, and you're spreading that that fire through story through people who get it, who are basically the the example of the picture of perfection. You're painting that picture through these people through their stories. Exactly. I mean, the reality is whether it's myself or Scott, or Allie, or any of members of our team, Heidi Durfee, another member, key member of our team, any of our folks goes out, listen, the folks in the stores can do it and are, are more important than we are, 
They tell the stories. They live the stories. They breathe the stories every day. And we knew it was right when we walked in a store in Yakima, Washington, which is two hours away from our headquarters here in Seattle. And I'll tell you, when you walked in, you went, this is mod. The people on the counter were mod. The, the environment was a mod. The feelings you get was a mod. You know, I'm a big believer. I think we talked about this before. I'm a big believer in, I stole a quote from Howard B.R., the walls talked. Yeah. You know, I think when you walk in a place, you can just tell if good things are happening. Mm. You walk in someone's home, you, you get in a car, you go to somebody's house, you go to the church. When you open that front door, you just know good things are happening. It's not the music or the, or the vibe. You just feel it. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you can feel when things aren't right. Yeah. And so for us, we use that term, the walls talk, very literally here, right? When you walk in one of mods, what are the walls telling you? Are there good things happening here? Do you feel good about it? Because I think there's this intrinsic feeling that customers have. They go back to a place that makes them feel good. Mm. They go back to a place when they walk out and they go, God, I want to go back there. I don't know why. The food was fantastic. The value proposition was great. And God, the, the service was great, but... It wasn't that. I just want to go back there. It just makes me feel good. I love it. And I think when you start building, whether it's a restaurant, a retail chain, where people start saying that about your stores, boy, check the box, Mm. right? You start to win. Awesome. So as you started to grow, I mean, reflecting back on the uh, nine years now you've been with Mod, um, what were the biggest lessons uh, that you picked up in this part of your life, in this part of your professional career? Yeah. Yeah. So one of them, again, I steal, but do it because it's right, not because it's right for your resume. Mm. And how do you know if it's right, right. for you and not right for your resume? We'll, we'll dive into that. Well, you know, for me, it's, it's, does it make you feel good, right? At the end of the day, does it, does it really get you up and does it really motivate you to go to work? Does it really make you feel like, I'm not just going to put on my CV so someone can read it and, and go, oh, my goodness, look at all these great things you've done. But today, does it feel like, like the right thing to do as a human being? Mm. Why is that right? so I important? Think in a time, well, I think in a time where we're all moving so fast, right, it's all about social media and knowing everything and Facebook and everyone's talking and everyone knows exactly what I'm doing. But the reality is today we're human beings serving human beings. Mm-hmm. And that connection you feel every day do you feel connected? Do you feel connected to the folks you're working with? Are you excited about coming to work? We all have bad days and good days. But at the end of the day, do you feel connected when you come to work? And again, I go back to this millennial group. I think that's what's important to them. They want to be, be a part of a company that stands for more than just profits. Mm-hmm. Profits are important, right? We like to say at Mod, we're a for-profit company. We're a proud for-profit company with some nonprofit tendencies. So what do you think it is about the millennial generation that has opened their eyes and that uh, leads them to take work for the right reasons, uh, not the, the monetary reasons? Oh, wow. We could do a whole podcast just on millennials, <laughs> millennial workforce. Hey, I'm, down, I'm down for it. Don't tempt me. I might have we to We could spend hours <laughs> talking about that. Um, I'll tell you, at least my experience, um, you know, I, I believe that they, they remember this group went through the time when, when the economy was tough. Mm-hmm. And many of them existed around times when, when their friends or families or people they knew had really tough times. And they were all struggling. And people were struggling for work, struggling to make a buck. And I think in today's world, these folks now 
money's important, but money's not the end all to be all. You know, in today's world, when I grew up, I'd go across the street for another quarter. Mm-hmm. Right? I'd leave my dishwashing place and go right across the street for another quarter. Today, I, I think today's millennial workforce won't do that. I think if they believe that they're part of, part of a company that stands for more, lets them be an individual, lets them be who they are, embraces who they are, not only embraces but applauds who they are, and wants them to be themselves, I think that's where they start to really resonate. You start to build this, quite frankly, this unrelenting belief and commitment to an organization. Mm-hmm. I think the times of name tags have gone. Say that one more time, the time, the time of what? Name tags? Name tag. Okay. Name tag in a store is gone. Why? Because, you know, I think the reality is people want to talk to each other. Right? A name tag goes back today when my dad used to have to go to work and he had a shirt that he had his name on his shirt every day and he just didn't like his job. But he had to go work for the man. So. And I think in, I think in today's world, the millennials, who are, quite frankly, more educated, much more knowledgeable than we were when we grew up mm-hmm. through social media, I think they're now at a point in time where they want to they want to believe in something. Yeah. And they want to believe in each other. And they want to stand next to the person next to them and know that we're in this together. Yep. Right? And and I want you to be as successful as I am. Yeah. You know, and, and they have this window into the world. You kind of just touched on it with social media where they can see anywhere in the world to see what's happening, to see how other people are being treated, to know what the standard could be or should be. And good on them for not settling for less. And I think that's kind of uh, really at the core of it is uh, years past generations past. They didn't know what was possible. They didn't know what could be. Uh, so they settled for a certain level of treatment and certain standards of living, getting, working for the paycheck and thinking that's all it's about. But because of this, these windows that have opened to everyone, we, we know that there's more out there and that it is attainable. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I, listen, I think people today, uh, when we open a news store anywhere throughout the country, many times our employees or folks, our mod squads that come and apply, they know more about the company than I know about it, right? They've done their homework. They come and apply after doing their homework. They've gone on social media. They've seen what it, what it looks like, what it looks like to work at mod. So they're coming in educated when they make a choice to come and apply at mod, mm. which is very different than back in the day when, and now hiring banner was up and you had no idea who they were, but you needed a job and you walked in and you put your resume down. So I think people are being selective now in places they choose to go to work. Mm-hmm. And very selective in the place that they want to call home. Yeah. Because as we all know, we spend as much time, many times at work as we do at home. Mm. So and it starts to develop this sense of family. Absolutely. I love it. And, and uh, so you mentioned do it uh, because it's right, not because it's the right paycheck or the right resume builder. Uh, give me one more yeah. nugget, one thing you know to be true that you've experienced uh, in your time uh, as a director of operation and manager for all these great companies. Well, we all, we're all human beings first, right? At, at the core, we're human beings. So what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, is no one comes to work wanting to do a bad job. No one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to go to work today and do a bad job. You know, I'm a big believer. Walt Disney had a great quote that the best person I hired, I hired for a second time. Which means to me that, that you know, the reality is everyone deserves a second chance. Mm. We have this great mantra mod that we live by that's wide boulevard and high curves. 
and, and I'll go on a little bit if you give me a minute to go a little bit into that. Please, please. The, the curves are our cultural values, our norms. That's our curves. And so as long as you stay inside the curves, you can make a mistake but never be wrong. We don't have a 500-page rule book here at MOD. The reality of MOD is, and we tell our teams, the entrance to the MOD is simply do the right thing. Mm. Simply do the right thing. And you know what that is. Everyone knows what the right thing is. And so for us, wide boulevard and high curves allows folks to make mistakes. Stay inside the curves. Yeah. And- right? Lying, cheating, steal. We all know those are the cultural norms. We, yeah. we just don't do that. And mm-hmm. if you jump a curve, you're gone. You have to leave. Yeah. And, you know, that's so powerful. Um, and we didn't really talk a lot about it, but going through the extra steps to draw the lines, um, a lot of these things are cultural norms, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, all that. We know not to do that. Uh, but to take it, you know, to really paint the picture of what your values are, what your how you operate, the, the way you conduct yourself, um, and giving clear, painting that, that picture of perfection of what a good employee is and what a good mod modster is. I don't know if that's something you guys yeah. But, um, I mean, for you, that's probably so no-duh because you're a part of great organizations. <laughs> but a lot of smaller restaurants don't take the time to really get clear about where those curves are, where those, you know, the lines are. Um how important is it to, to be clear about that? Well, I, listen, I, again, I go back to, um, again, I, I think that the days of a 500 page rule book that we hand to you when you started the organization, yep. sure, everyone has a handbook they go through. And, and those are the things that are, that you have to have, but, but to truly have a 500 page rule book, uh, I think those days are gone. Yeah. Right. Our, our millennials, they're not embracing that. They don't want a 500 page rule book, right? We live in a time of, of Google. I can look things up yeah. in a matter of seconds. So what are they embracing? So what they are embracing is, let me be me. Mm. Tell me what you want, set the expectation, be clear with the expectations, and allow me to figure out how to get there. Mm. Help guide me in the path, but clearly set the expectation. I'll get there, but let me figure out how to get there. Yeah. And, right? um, as long as I don't break any rules, you know, food safety, I do all the things correctly. At the end of the day, I'm going to get there. Simply do the right thing. Yeah, and uh, I and I kind of uh, didn't put enough emphasis earlier on what you said uh, with the whole second chance, and um, I mean, <laughs> we kind of skimmed over that, and I really want to dive into that. I mean, doing my research, I read or watched this video on this gentleman who uh, was a convict, came out of jail, and he got a second chance, and he went from being a dishwasher to a regional manager. Um, yeah, talk to us about that, the power of a second chance in that example. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, having, having been a part of it literally from the very early days, and um, it's amazing to see the power of giving people an opportunity to be great and to believe in them. You know, many of the folks that have come from that background um, truly just need someone to believe in them, truly just need someone to say to them, listen, you made a mistake in your life, but that doesn't dictate who you are. It doesn't describe you, right? It may, it may be an example, but it doesn't describe you. You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, yesterday yesterday was a statement, tomorrow's a question mark. Yeah. So what are you going to do next, right? And so many of those folks that have come to work for us, quite frankly, who just need a hand up. Mm. And what happens when, when you we give them that hand, hand up? Say again? What happens when you extend that hand, when you give them that hand up? What happens there? Oh, uh, I, listen, I, I think it's, uh, it's a, you know, we're living, we're a living example today. 
um, as an organization that you can do that. You can absolutely do that, right? I mean, the reality is, you know, the, the, the challenge so many of our folks have that come out of that type of background or clean and sober background, they just, they just had a challenge. Or the foster kids program, which we're involved in as well, right? They just need an opportunity to become a part of a family, feel supported, and, and, be, and be great, and someone to believe in them. I can't tell you the light bulb that goes on when you say to someone that has that type of background, that's a really good job. I'm proud of you. Mm. For many of them, they haven't heard that in, in years. Yeah. It's, and so it, it's amazing how, how much they, they've become your culture carriers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They become the folks that ultimately today, they're speaking on behalf of mod. They're telling the stories about mod. It's not me. They're telling the stories and their stories. And it's not the entire organization, and, and, you know, it is a sect of the group that we hire, but it's also a group perhaps that, that went to college and just couldn't find their way and said, I don't know what to do next. I'm kind of lost. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of lost out here with not really understanding. I went to college. It didn't work out for me. What's next? Mm, man. And they give them an opportunity to come into mod and grow and grow from being a dishwasher to a regional manager, whether it's coming out of prison or just that second chance if they needed someone to believe in them. I'm curious, what's a regional manager making salary? So he's, he's probably in, in, in the 70s range, 70 to 90 range. Wow. With bonus and benefits. And um, and still know, room to grow, well. too. Oh, listen, that's, that's the beauty of growth, right? Yeah. We open stores which give more people opportunities to be great. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, so before we move on to the speed round. One quick question. What are you going to do as director of operation to make sure that culture, that greatness, that the beauty of what you created doesn't get diluted? Yeah. Well, interesting enough. So now I'm, 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 I'm actually moving over into the international world here in the very short term and building our national growth and what we do internationally. So it's, it's very timely. You asked me that because how do you now take that, that culture that lives so strongly here in the U S and take it over across the pond, right? And mm. take it to the UK where we're operating five stores a day or several other countries. And again, a big part of that is to ensure that we're strong in our knowledge of who we are. And we never waver from who our, what our culture is and what we want to become and what, what stories we want to tell. I think where that starts to waver is when there's mixed messages and everyone has different sets of, different sets of priority and a different definition of success. Our success is never going to be based on having the most stores. It's going to be based on the lives we impact and the communities we serve. Yeah. And one more time, who are you? What is that, that identity you're communicating for us? One more time. Oh, Maude. You know, that, that, my, listen, we're, 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 who are we? We're a place where anyone can come, regardless of your background or guess where you come from, and have an opportunity to grow and be great. Mm. And what is greatness in Maude's eyes? Greatness in my eyes. I think we all set our own bar, right? Mm. We all set our own bar. I mean, greatness to me, I'll tell you, for me, every day I come to work, I'm, I'm looking to get better. And I surround myself with people that make me better every single day. Better as a person, better as a son, better as a friend, better as a colleague, better as a leader. Chris, yes. I uh, can't think of a better way to go into our quick break to thank our sponsors. Uh, this is awesome. We'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. (laughs) But what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. 
Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy to access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the Tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable all right we're back and the first question i have for you chris is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success well, we talked about a little bit, right? Failure's not an option. Yeah. I live my life that way. Failure's just simply not an option, Eric. Beautiful. And what is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness? Uh, you know, taking time to spend for myself. Mm. <laughs> How does that hurt you? Well, you know, sometimes I think it, 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 it tends to drive me to, rec- to, to setting expectations unrealistic for everybody else. Yeah. Right? I mean, you've got to have a happy balance between life and work. And sometimes I think I overcommit myself and, and work so hard that I figure everyone else should feel the same way I do. Is it maybe the because there's a little bit of a bleed between life and work? And for you, the work you do is your life's work. It's something that kind it of bleeds a, in. Yeah. Is that a bad thing? That's a great thing. No. Well, sure. Right. Because the reality is um, it's a part of who I am. It isn't who I am. It's a part of who I am. It yeah. can't become who you are for any entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. Your work can't become who you are. It can't be the one thing. That makes you who you are. If it is, then you, something's wrong. Okay. And uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? Be transparent. Be honest. I love it. What is one question you ask or thing you're looking for or your team is looking for during the interview process? Yeah. What are you passionate about? What are you looking for? Right. So that's it. So that's the one question we ask everybody. Tell me about one thing you're passionate about. And if the light bulb doesn't go off in your eyes when you talk about rock climbing or your family or your dogs or baseball or something else, if you can't light up when you talk about something you're passionate about, I can't teach you passion. I can teach you how to make a pizza. 
but I can't teach passion. Mm. What is a current challenge? How are you overcoming it? Well, a current challenge is always is, you know, finding the right people, right? Finding the right people to join mod at the right time who understand and, 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 and can embrace this culture of second chances and pizza with a purpose and being involved in our community and finding the right leaders. Has it gotten where the next seven years, where the next seven years is going to come from? Has it gotten harder as you've grown more rapidly? You know, actually, interesting enough, no, it's actually gone the other way. Really? Right. Because as the message has gone out more and more, by the way, our attention to watch folks now come from other organizations and some well-known organizations that are out there who now want to join mod. Mm, interesting. Um, what is one thing mod does well besides food that separates it from other restaurants? The one thing we do well, I think we are, we are actively involved in our communities. We do fundraisers in all of our stores for the local YMCA or the cheer club. I think the one thing we do really well is, is our active involvement with our local communities. Beautiful. And one book that's a must read, a uh, book that you've read that will make us better people, better restaurant owners, just better in general. What would that be? You know, that's an easy one. It's not about the coffee by Howard B.R. It's a must read for everybody who joins the company here at Mod. Um, it's a must read for me. I read it. I've probably reread it. I don't know. A hundred times. It's an amazing book. And it really, really speaks of many things we talked about. What's the biggest lesson in that book that most resonates with you? Well, <laughs> you know, I was just itching it up. I was just reading it before we, we got on the phone this afternoon. And um, for me, you know, for me, the real part of that is think like a person, a person of action and act like a person of thoughtfulness, which means to me, when you, when you take action, think about how it's going to impact people, right? Think about truly how your actions impact the people around you. And I don't think we spend enough time doing that as leaders. Nope. I think several times we make decisions without understanding the impact, not only of the business, but of the people. Yeah. Just a situational awareness, awareness about how, what you're doing every day impacts not only the other people, but yourself. And just that every waking moment of your life, being intentional about what you do, what you say, is it working towards what I want to become? How is it affecting everybody? Yeah. Uh, that situational <laughs> awareness is at the, the height of emotional intelligence. Uh, yeah. And you listen, you, you got to want to be a leader, Yeah, right? You got to want to be a coach. Beautiful. And uh, that book is on Audible. So if you head over to, to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable, uh, you can get that book for free if you haven't yet set uh, signed up for Audible. And it's a game changer, guys. Audiobooks will change your life. It's changed my life, literally. And uh, I have not listened to that book yet. So it's going to be added on my queue right after we get off the call. Uh, so thank you for sharing. Uh, right on. Um, and what is, right on my <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, what is one piece of technology uh, mods adopted? Uh, that's really had a big impact on communication, efficiency, uh, productivity, profitability in general. Yeah, so so holy cow, right? Technology is moving at the speed of light, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, we're, we're now working on, on a loyalty program along with our online ordering that I think will be a game changer for us as we move forward with, with consumers who want the product now and the time they want it, where they want it, how they want it, which I think will really make a difference. You know, if you look at a company like Starbucks, who really are the, if you will, the, 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 the trendsetters in that arena, they've really moved their business um, tenfold since they've really embraced that. And I think all of us need to 
truly understand what that really means. So you're integrating a online ordering platform with a uh, loyalty platform. Any way you can share what that, those platforms are? Well, I, I can't because we're about ready to launch them. Okay. Um, if you look to modpizza.com in the next 30 days, you'll, you'll see it coming. Um, is it? But I think it'll be best in class. Was it? I think it'll be. Sorry. Right, I was going to ask, was it self-developed or are these tools that are out there that you've uh, outsourced and implemented within? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. A little bit of both. And, and we've leveraged some of our resources of folks we know it, it, in our former life at Starbucks to really build a best-in-class, um, what we believe a best-in-class deliverable for our customers um, that I think will be you know, certainly one that, that when our customers look at it, they come to expect a certain level of execution of mod, and I think we'll deliver on that execution both on our loyalty platform and, and our online ordering as well. All right. I'm going to set a reminder in my calendar to hit you in 30 days. <laughs> uh, with all the knowledge you have now, Chris, if you could go back in time, the year 1994, you're just getting started with Starbucks and give yourself one piece of business advice or life advice, what would that <laughs> advice be? The restaurant business is hard. <laughs> it is uh, it's hard you know and, and it's not for the faint of heart and I think people get into the restaurant business with a thought of gosh you know I serve great food or I know what, what, what a restaurant business looks like and you know gosh I've got a great idea and I can plug and play it's difficult it's not for the weak of knees or the weak of heart and really the, the final piece is surround yourself with really good people mm. surround yourself with great leaders build great mentors and listen Right. I think my, my piece would be, I'll tell you, Eric, in the early days, I probably didn't listen as much as I should have. I should have paid more attention and listened more often to some of the great leaders that I was surrounded with and take those lessons learned. Because now I'm learning them now, and holy cow, it would have been a lot easier 20 years ago. <laughs> those famous words from Stephen R. Covey, first seek to understand, <laughs> then seek to be understood. Uh, seven habits of highlight. Holy cow, people. you know my career. <laughs> you just said my career in one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, is there anything we didn't discuss, a question I could have asked you uh, that would have brought more value to this conversation? Are you chomping at the bit to get anything out right now? The only thing I'm chomping at the bit to get, get out is that, that you know, this reality of, of understanding the importance of second chances. Mm. And I think if I could share to any entrepreneur that's out there today, is how difficult was it? Was it really difficult to do? You know, how challenging was it to, to make that first step? Um, and I would tell you it's not. It's not. Believe in people, and trust me, they'll believe in you. Beautiful. Awesome. And um, this has been great. Uh, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who is an independent? Uh, and I will admit, uh, I typically only go after small, independently owned uh, operations yeah. organizations, but you know what? Uh, I, I met you, I heard your story and, uh, you're doing something truly special. And I, I wanted to make an example of that, uh, that, you know, you can grow to be big if you fo focus on being great first. Um, and that's kind of the secret is being great and then big comes. Uh, so you are definitely you and mod, the people at mod are an example of great. So thank you for letting me uh, make that example of you. Who's somebody you admire, uh, and think would be yeah, a no, no, the show. Sure. And listen, uh, first off, I, I really want to thank you. I, I know that traditionally some of our sides and what we do would be traditional on your podcast. And so I'll tell you, I, I was so excited when you invited me thank you. Uh, to join. And, and, and I tell you, it, it's been great. And um, I really, truly appreciate the opportunity to spend a little time talking about mod and, and people first. Right. Um, I know Brett Schulman, who's over at Kava, 
I don't know if you're familiar with their concept. He's doing a great job. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm impressed with what they're doing. Is that Brett Schumann? Schulman. Schulman. And you, yep. And you said by leading first? Yeah, he's, he's, so he, he's, he's the, uh, the founder of Kava, Kava Girl. Okay. Out of you, Washington, D.C. I awesome. think 22 stores, I think, in D.C. and California now. And they're doing some innovative stuff around Mediterranean, fast, casual, great environments, building wonderful uh, environments for their customers and really thinking through how to be innovative in that space, this Mediterranean space that, quite frankly, is introducing it to some new folks in a fast, casual way. Brett, and, uh, and really, to me, is the guy that I really look to and say, that guy, that guy gets it. Awesome. Brett Schulman, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to make an example of you, get you on the show, share your story, <laughs> gather your advice, and uh, let the folks at home know if uh, we're inspired by what Mod Pizza is doing, how can we connect uh, to learn more, to maybe join the team, to maybe uh, buy in franchise. If there are some people interested in, in that, that world of franchising, how can we connect? Yeah, so modpizza.com, all the information is right there. And, and, and as always, uh, people feel free to email me at cschultz at modpizza.com. I love to hear from people. Beautiful. This is episode 241. Or sorry, I keep doing that. I keep on forgetting how many episodes I've recorded. This is episode three, <laughs> 341. Uh, uh, head over to... Me <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 341 uh, for a summary of today's conversation and for links back to the books that were recommended and any other resources that were recommended uh, during this this talk. And uh, Chris, thank you so much uh, for taking the time, uh, for choosing to be great, uh, for choosing to really impact the lives of other people. Uh, it was an honor making an example of you. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Uh, Eric, you're a champ. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Thank you so much, Chris Schultz, for taking the time to join me and uh, for being a part of an organization that is truly trying to make an impact on its employees, on the communities, and uh, not just talking the talk, but actually walking the walk on a huge scale. Uh, the scale at which you guys are doing this is really incredible. And uh, like I mentioned, I don't typically profile and make an example of franchises. Um, I feel like most franchises start off really great and then they grow over time to, and take up a bunch of market share. And then over time, they, they aren't as great as when they started. Uh, but Mod seems to be one of the few organizations that are staying true to that greatness. And I sincerely hope that you and Mod and everybody on the team uh, have continue to have that impact that you've had up to this point. Uh, and we can all learn from what you're doing. Uh, beautiful story. Uh, beautiful people over there in Mod Pizza. And uh, just thank you for being somebody to, you know, we can make an example of. And just that impact, guys. And I think the big lesson um, in today's talk is... Uh, Focusing on just the culture first, or people first, taking care of people, making a difference in the, the, the lives of other people, and just looking to give before you get, and really caring before people care about you. Uh, care for others, and if you care for others, they will eventually care for you. And I love that advice that he gave us on um, identifying the, uh, the culture carriers and finding out who your A players are, finding out the people who get it, and then use story. Use their stories to deliver 
what it is to the masses, uh, especially your inner guests, your team members, to, to spread that energy, that positivity, and that culture throughout your organization. A great example there. And like always, guys, please do connect with me, Eric Cacciatore, on Instagram and Twitter, slash Restaurants Unstoppable on Facebook. And email me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you're interested in learning about. Uh, Shoot me an email. Tell me what you want to learn about. Tell me what your struggles are. I'm not an expert. I don't have all the answers, but I know somebody who does, or I'll find them. I can promise you that. And uh, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming, guys. Those help out so much. All right, that's it for today. I'm out of here. Love you all so much. Until next time, peace out.